You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Salvador Perez. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. I mean, you think about it, and people in the fashion world, and people in the costume world, and I think in the film and television world, theater world, really think a lot about how sometimes the, the clothes one wears, the 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 close the p- closest possessions to us, but the, the, those things that we they can stand in for a character really. They can almost like you put that on stage or on screen, and that can be, oh yes, a memory is evoked. Yes. And that's and things when we'd have fittings with Mindy, and they were—I mean, most actors—you have to drag them to a fitting, and Mindy would come in on a weekend, or come in on her lunch break, oh, yeah. or on, on a day off, we'd have a four or five-hour fitting. And and I had the script, so I knew the stories we were telling, and I and I had an idea like, oh, well, I want you to be a vixen here, I want you to be sweet here, I want you to be sexy here. And as we were having the fitting, we would be, you know, like we put on a dress, and a lot of times we'd be like, we'd both be like, the dinner scene, or over oh, the party, and we knew instantly <laughs> when she. Put, yeah. And then I think that we were because we were telling a story through the clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when I couldn't find what I wanted, we started to make them. And mm-hmm. Mindy had never, you know, who has that, you know, the luxury of a whole workroom just for you on yeah. a show. So it was such a, and I also had a phenomenal cutter fitter, Savorn Price, who mm-hmm. people like rave about my designs, but my designs would be nothing without amazing hands to make them. Mm-hmm. And Savorn Price is truly a goddess. And she it's an innate talent that she just understood Mindy's body so well. And we would custom make corsets for her and it was just about making Mindy feel beautiful and that was seems like Mindy is such a, a fun person to to work for and to collaborate with and I imagine as a designer that you're given this a uh, large palette and that must be great it's like going to a, a fairground or whatever we we use that term all the time it's a palette because Mindy's world is very colorful and when she decided to produce and create four weddings and a funeral um, it's such an iconic film, and so we yes. wanted to make sure that our version was unique to its own. But what she did, the edict she gave me, she's like, I want you to do what you did for Mindy O'Hearing on the Mindy Project before the entire cast. I don't want just one person to be a fashionista. She's like, I want everybody to be a fashionista. So to be given that sort of edict and the leeway to do it, and then to go do it in, in Europe, and I got to live in London for nine months, and I wow. got to shop it in London and have it made in London. It, I really, and I very concentrated, like, I was like, well, this is an American, and how would an American dress? And how would an American dress when they just got to London? And how would an American dress who's been there for six months? And how do the English dress compare to the... And so it was very fun to sort of get out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. go to a foreign country. And, you know, because it is, even though we speak English, it's a foreign country. There's, yeah. there, uh, I had to learn English to speak to my English crew. <laughs> <laughs> like, little things. Like, I would be like, you know, what, what size, um, you know, uh, pants? Like, what, what are, what's your pant size? And whenever yeah. I act an actor that, they would be very shocked. Because to us, pants are pants. Well, but to, to the Europe, they were underwear, exactly. <laughs> and so I'd have ladies like, why would you want to know that? I'm like, well, because I need to buy I'm bringing my own. I'm like, no, no, wait, no, you're not bringing your own. You know? But I'm like a jumper. It's like, it's not a sweater; it's a jumper, and they're not tr- they're not pants or trousers. And a vest to me is a, you know it was just very funny to go to and I had to learn to speak English to go to work. Mm. And I think <laughs> if, if we speak about um, fashion icons or actors or actresses who've endured, I mean, one that one always speaks about is like Marilyn Monroe. But it's not so much the films when you think about it, it's like the still. Oh, this is just a little bit of a segue. It's that her facility for the still image so she understood that and respected it as an art yeah absolutely and I think that you know all of these iconic 
part of characters, it's the, it's the dress. I mean, you know that that, yeah. that dress from a Seven Year Itch, that oh, yeah. white pleated dress. That you know that wasn't that wasn't the director didn't tell him to do that. It wasn't the it wasn't the actress. Marilyn is an iconic because Bill Travilla is it Bill Travilla who put her in that white dress. Every costume that has become iconic is because of the costume designer. Obviously, mm-hmm. the actor wearing it made it, but it, the actor alone might not have been as, as iconic, but the actor in the costume is what became iconic. All right. It's good that you mentioned that, too, because we'll be celebrating the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. I believe the ruby slippers are in that collection. Um, I don't I don't know all, everything that's in the collection that they'll be showing, but what pieces do you think definitely should be or whatever well, in your... I, they don't. The, the 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 film academy doesn't have a lot of costume pieces. Yeah, it's it's because the problem is that you know that the Marilyn Monroe dress is now four million dollars. So oh. unless they were donated a long time ago, the academy is not going to have the money to buy these pieces. I'm hoping that what they're doing is collecting pieces now. So mm-hmm. twenty or thirty years from now, they're iconic because it's going to be impossible to go and buy these pieces. I mean, I think it's great that something that a costume designer came up with is, the, you know, a dress that, that was put on Marilyn Monroe is now worth $4 million. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what I what I would like as part of I mean, that's one of the one of the reasons the Costume Designers Guild exists is to promote, to promote artist rights and, and protect us. And I think that a lot of times we are forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a costume designer is work for hire. We'll, we're hired, we design everything for the film, they go make toys and video games and costumes for them, and we don't get a penny of it. Mm-hmm. A musician writes a song for a movie and they get paid forever. An actor is in a movie and they get paid forever. Even the directors get a, get a residual. The, the directors mm-hmm. and the, the ADs get a residual. Costume designers don't see a penny for work that they take our work and they can make toys for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And we're not respected enough. We don't get any residuals from the work we do yet. And a lot of times they don't, they treat it, I mean, there's actually no in within our, you know, for the union contract, you have to have a DP, you have to have a costume supervisor. You don't legally have to have a costume designer on a film unless clothes are designed, which mm-hmm. means that they're custom made. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I design everything on the show, but it's just that respect. You curate and design, but yeah. Right, yeah. but, the, but there, yeah. if, if by, the, by the letter of the contract, if we don't make clothes, you don't have to have a costume designer on a film. That's a union policy. Uh-huh. And so it's a, it's a respect level. And so as the president of the Costume Artists Guild, and I've been on the board of the Guild for over 20 years, I was one of the youngest members ever voted to the board. I have fought to get acknowledge what we do, and to and and you know, I, I just it, it, it's sort of sad that we have to fight mm-hmm. this hard to get acknowledged for what we do. But until we're acknowledged and recognized and paid a salary and and for commissioner of or the work we do on the show we're going to keep fighting and that's one of the reasons that I'm this is I'm in my third term as president of the Cosmos Guild because I am trying to move forward and I'm trying to get that there is a um a respect for women in the industry I mean costume designers of course but because it Textiles and fashion has always been, even though, of course, the the prominent um, costume designers have many of them been male, obviously, so many of them. But it's been associated with women. Textiles and fashion is women. You are preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. This is here's this is one of the statistics that bothers me. I'm the president of a costume designers guild. My membership is 85% women. Mm -hmm. Art directors and production designers are 85% more. Mm-hmm. We are both department heads. We both do a vital part of the film. Production designers who are 85% men make 30% more than costume designers who are 30% women. 
Hmm. And we deal with the actors. We're the ones that get them out of the trailers. We get them in their underwear. We, you know, we are such a vital part of the story making us storytelling process. But I, I, there's no other reason for it. In fact, that they're men, hmm. and the men get paid more than the women because we're women's work. We're shop. We sew. It's just women's work. And as a man in this industry, it's hard because, uh, you know, I think that I get away with a little bit more because of the fact that I'm a man. And I've had my female colleagues say, I can't believe you got, you, they gave you that. I'm like, well, because I demanded it. And we are fighting right now. One of our biggest fights with the Customers Guild is pay equity. We should be paid equal to the salaries of the production designers who are men because we're doing the exact same job. There, there's our sets and furniture, ours are costumes. Same job. Um, but again, it's, it's but you, I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear somebody who's not industry say that, that yes, it's textiles, it's fashion, it's women's work. And that's how we're interpreted even in our industry. In- yeah, let's just reflect on the future because this is an educational initiative. And as you think about, you know, the environment and technology and really now with the kind of uh, world we're leaving the next generation, what do you feel are some of the ways we might include, you know, our current systems? Um, you know, what's important to us and how, how might we improve in them for, uh, to build a better tomorrow? Um, I think, again, the whole sort of sustainability and, like, not throwing things out and reusing them, you know, like, I had a pillowcase that was too long, and it's 100% cotton, and um, so I cut it off, and normally I would have thrown that piece off. Well, I'm like, wait, I can make a mask out of this. Mm-hmm. A year ago, I wouldn't have thought that way, and now I'm like, don't throw that away, because I don't have access to cotton fabric. I'm going to use that piece of pillowcase to make a mask. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that little spark that hopefully we can be as creative all the time, and not when we're forced to, but because we want to. Yeah, so we relearn those skills as well, you know, that there's, uh, and not necessarily send it out to, because we can't, you know, transport everything. We just, all this is not available. Um, and how can good design thinking be applied to some of our present problems? Um, I, you know, I think that, again, this this goes back to, like, you might say, you were using a closet. It's like, I think that we don't, I think we have to stop buying so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's in your closet? What can you reuse? What can you reinvent? What can you alter? As opposed to going out and buying a new dress every month, you don't need a new dress every month. Stop mm-hmm. wasting money. Stop that the, your carbon footprint doesn't have to be because you've shopped every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I think that this time at home alone, where we don't have the chance to go to the stores, is just making us rethink how we can live our lives. Want to get involved with exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.